Welcome back to Be Her, Be Heard. Presented by Harvard undergraduate women in business. Welcome back to Be Her, Be Heard. My name is Gabriella Keneally and I'm a rising sophomore at Harvard studying government. And I'm Lucy Liu, a rising junior at Harvard College studying economics. Joining us today is Ms. Michelle Freire, Senior Vice President and Global General Manager of Clinique at the Estee Lauder Companies, and most recently she was the President of U.S. Beauty for Johnson & Johnson Consumer Health Products Division, where she was responsible for the company's beauty portfolio, including Neutrogena, Aveeno, Clean & Clear, and ROC, and of the successful performance of many brands. Michelle is passionate about talent development and has a proven track record of fostering workplaces that embrace inclusion and diversity. She's received several awards and honors in recognition of her outstanding contributions, including being named to Fortune's 2018 50 Most Powerful Latinas in Business. Thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations on your new role at Clinique. To start us off, we would just love to hear about when you knew that you wanted to work in the beauty industry and the journey that you took to get to where you are now. Absolutely. Well, thrilled to be here with uh, both of you. Um, I... Uh, Really, when I started my career um, in marketing, uh, I always knew I had a passion for beauty, but I, I actually started my career in marketing at Pepsi Cola Company uh, in New York. Uh, they, were, they are a great training ground for, for marketers um, and really teaching the fundamentals of marketing. And so after business school, I went there. Um, uh, I had interned there between my first and second year at Harvard Business School, and then I joined them back to work on Mountain Dew. Uh, and I was at Pepsi for a couple of years and for personal reasons moved to Los Angeles and uh, had several opportunities. But uh, the one that really rose to the top because uh, it was in beauty was Neutrogena. Um, and so I, I, I joined Neutrogena as a brand manager on their facial cleansing business, which is the core equity of the company. And it really seemed like the perfect place for me. I had used Neutrogena as a teen, but beauty to me was something that was part of my culture growing up. Uh, my mom was uh, a very highly engaged uh, in the beauty category. Everybody in Puerto Rico is very engaged in the beauty category. Um, and it was something fun. It was a category that I wanted to work on that felt like it wouldn't be a job, um, which is always advice that I give is like, do what you love um, and it won't seem like work and you will succeed in it. And so I can't say that I started my career thinking I would be in beauty, but once the opportunity was presented to me, it was a no brainer for me to join. That's awesome. I love that advice on how to like do something you love so it doesn't feel like it's work, but it's actually something enjoyable that you do every day. That's really cool. So now that you're at your current job at Clinique, could you walk us through what a typical day in the life of a senior vice president at Clinique looks like? Absolutely. So I, I am running the global Clinique business. Um, so first I'll say uh, in this, uh, in these times that we're living in, I am on Zoom all day long um, <laughs> from very early in the morning with sometimes um, the China market uh, or the market in the, or the team in EMEA. Um, but basically, you know, the, the day really consists of just meetings with different people. Um, but the meeting objectives are really tend to be around 
either a strategic discussion about a specific product line or a specific category, let's call it like anti-aging or acne or um, moisturizers um, and talk about, you know, how we're going to win, how we're going to approach that, continue to approach that category. Um, we do a lot of uh, business reviews, financial reviews, um, how are the sales tracking, inventory, um, some of the business metrics. A lot of meetings around innovation, so like uh, new products that we will be launching, um, both products that we're going to be launching in the next year, as well as things that are a bit more further out, like three years out. Um, I'm also in a lot of meetings around um, advertising and creative um, and content that we develop for social media. Um, I also have a lot of one-on-ones with my team. I am someone who really believes um, that it's important to spend a lot of time with your team um, under like what is getting in their way to be successful. How can I help them, you know, align on what the priorities are. Uh, and then I also join a lot of um, business reviews that are happening across Estee Lauder at a higher level with the CEO. We have business reviews with the regions. Like last week we had one with the India team. Then we had another one with the Middle East team. And then I also have meetings around um, talent and people development. You mentioned that was a passion of mine. It's something that's a huge focus area for me. So just figuring out like if there are people that need to move on my team and are getting promoted or, you know, who is the person that's going to come in because always finding the right person for the right job is really important. So a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different meetings, a lot of different topics, but um, I have to say, super fun for me every day i wake up and i'm so excited um to to just you know tackle the day because it's something that i love to do that's amazing to hear so you spoke a little bit about your journey into and through the beauty industry and i was wondering if you've had a mentor throughout your career to guide you through it all and if so who has that person been and how have they been a, an effective mentor yeah um, so I think I, I haven't had just one mentor. I've had a few along the way. Um, they're all still in my life. Um, uh, and uh, I had one mentor early on. And, and I think it's important actually to talk about mentoring and sponsoring because those are two separate things and they're both important. And these people maybe started as a mentor and evolved into sponsors. Um, because a mentor is someone who you go to for career advice, is someone you can talk to maybe if you have a challenge, but a sponsor is a more active person who is a more, a person who's maybe three levels above you in the organization and is actually going to serve as an active champion to, you know, get you moving up in the organization and, and, and find the, those right roles for you. Um, so early on in my career, the president, uh, the global president of Neutrogena, when I was a brand manager, um, was my mentor um, and sponsor. He became my sponsor. And, you know, he was pivotal in my career because he came to me when I was in marketing and said, I really need someone to go and blow up kind of the sales organization and make it a lot more strategic. And I think that you have general management potential and you should go to sales. And at first as a marketer, I was like, sales? I don't know much about sales and I'm a marketer, but I really trusted him. And I think it's important to trust your mentors and your sponsors. If you're actually asking for advice, you should listen. 
And I went and I thought I'd go for a year and I actually ended up staying eight years in sales um, because I loved it and I learned so much. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for that advice. So he has been a pivotal person um, and he and I are still very connected. Uh, he left J&J, retired, but we're still very much in touch. And then later in my career, um, another mentor who became a huge sponsor of mine, he was, you know, um, I had a dotted line to him. He was the president of beauty, actually, when I was in sales. And then he promoted me to run Neutrogena. Um, and uh, he really has pushed me and has, I mean, at this point, he's become like family to me. But, you know, I ended up reporting to him. Uh, for like seven years um, and he promoted he got promoted to chairman I got promoted to president of beauty um, and he was always a supporter and I have to say someone who I could always go to and have a really honest transparent conversation about my strengths my ambitions my areas of opportunity um, it has to be someone that you could be your authentic self with um, and that you also really trust and you will listen to their advice uh, and these two people have been super special to me and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the two of them. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and I guess speaking of people that you can look up to within your organization, um, or in business, even this past year, there were only, there were 37 women CEOs on the fortune 500 list, but only three of these women were women of color and there was not a single black or Latina woman on the list. So I was just wondering, what is your professional experience as a Puerto Rican woman mm -hmm. in like, and what are ways that we as a society can work to improve diversity and inclusion in the workplace? Yeah, it's a very important topic and uh, something I'm very passionate about. I think, you know, in terms of my professional experience, I think early on when I started my career in the late 90s, I felt like maybe I had to adapt who I am. Um, I felt like, well, maybe I won't be as successful if I am too Latina, so to speak. Maybe I need to become a bit more, more quiet, more conservative, not talk with my hands as much. Um, and uh, then I realized that that was actually part of my power, um, that um, my passion um, you know, who I am, uh, my ability to build relationships and my personality, like all of that that came from my culture and who I am were actually something that made me a great leader. Um, and, uh, and so I really decided to kind of lean into who I am and, you know, be my best self. And I really believe that's when I kind of unleashed um, my power. Um, but I think that's hard to do sometimes, right? You know, and so I think it's, you know, people talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. And I think diversity is just a number, right? It's really something that you just check the box on. Um, but it, to me, it's all about inclusion. Um, it's about creating a culture where everyone feels like they can bring their authentic self to work. Um, and I, I think as a leader, that's something I'm really committed to. Uh, I also think it is really important that um, women of color have sponsorship, as I was talking about sponsorship before, have sponsorship at the highest levels. I mean, that is how I got to where I am. Um, and it's really important for people to be able to, for younger 
women of color to look up and see people like them in the company at the highest rankings, because then they can believe that they can get there um, and that it's an environment where women of color are supported. So I think we still have a lot of work to do in corporate America around um, creating cultures that are truly inclusive um, and accepting of everyone regardless. And I think inclusivity in the broadest sense of the word, race, gender, you know, ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation, um, and, and truly develop that culture where everybody can bring their best self. And we need more leaders to really truly sponsor talent um, that is, you know, that is diverse. Uh, and so it can't just be leaders of skin of color. It needs to be broad. It needs to be, you know, men and women, white and people of color. It needs to be all the leaders at the top of the organization need to be committed. And I think what's really critical is to continue to reinforce the business case. Aside from just this is the right thing to do. There are so many studies that validate that when you have a diverse team and diverse leadership, you get better business outcomes. And so you need to continue to, to you know, drive that business case. And also that, you know, how are you going to reach consumers if your company doesn't reflect the population of the country? Um, so that's, to me, it always comes back also to the business case as to it, it's actually not an option to not have more diverse leadership, you know, in, in corporate America. It, it's, it's going to become to a point where like the companies that don't just won't succeed in the long run. And that's really insightful. Wow. I like how you talked about also kind of bringing it back to the business case. I feel like most people don't really think about that, but like obviously like having like a diverse team definitely sets you up like for more success in the long run. So that's really interesting. Kind of to pivot a little bit, what is one of the most difficult challenges you faced during your career and how did you overcome that? Yeah, I think probably the, the biggest challenge I had in my career was when I was the head of sales for Neutrogena we had a supply chain crisis. So to dimensionalize that, you know, for a variety of reasons, if a Walmart placed an order for $10 million, I could only ship them five. Um, and uh, you can imagine, <laughs> Walmart was not happy. Um, and that translates into a lot of empty shelves uh, and a lot of missed dollars and missed sales and consumers being upset that they can't find their product. Um, and there were a lot of reasons why, you know, um, that supply chain crisis was happening, but it was a really tough time because the, our retailers, you know, our customers, so Walmart, Target, CVS, Walgreens, were really upset. They don't like having empty shelves. They don't like, um, you know, consumers are upset. Um, and, you know, we had to scramble and like, you know, change all the plans that we had with them. And I was trying to protect our shelf. The sales people were freaking out. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, it was a big challenge for me as a leader, as the sales leader of the, of the company uh, and trying to really lead through fire and, and be a calm leader through the fire while everyone's having emotional reactions around me and be super clear about where we needed to get to, what was the vision, what was the plan, what was the strategy, and then just get everybody, almost hold their hand 
and be super clear about this is how we're going to execute, how we're going to do this together, and it's all going to be okay. And I mean, like, even to details like me getting on a conference call, I would focus on the tone of my voice being calm um, and being firm and letting people know that that confidence that it's all going to be okay. So I learned a lot about leading through fire. The following year, we came roaring back, and, and we had one of the best years we've, we've had. And um, it was a huge testament um, to the resiliency of, of the team, um, and it was a big test to me as a leader. And I always go back to that experience because it really taught me more about myself as a person and as a leader, and I feel like it has that experience has helped me shape how I approach other crises that have you know taken place later on in my career. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Um, thank you so much for talking, you know, to us about your journey, the challenges you faced, um, your identity as a Puerto Rican woman um, in business, and I guess as a last question to wrap it up. Um, what piece of advice do you have for young women pursuing a career in beauty? Absolutely. Um, well, I think the, the first thing is, you know, I am assuming if you want to pursue a career in beauty, it's because you're passionate about it. <laughs> so, you know, first and foremost, I think it's my headline advice for everyone is follow your passions unapologetically. Uh, you know, if you want a career in beauty, go for it. Um, and I think, you know, just a few tidbits of practical advice. First and foremost, learn about it, right? Like make sure that you are up to date. It's, a, it's an industry that's super dynamic. I mean, that's what I love about it because I get bored easily and I'm never bored in beauty because there's always something going on. You know, but um, really understanding um, the industry, what are the trends, subscribe maybe to some industry publications or become a member of, you know, there's like the uh, Cosmetics Executive Women, CEW, um, there's, there's trade publications, you know, be on Instagram, follow a bunch of beauty brands so you see what they're, you know, what they're talking about, how they're engaging with their consumers, what are the trends when we can all get back to shopping in brick and mortar retail, um, you know, go to the stores, go to Sephora on a Saturday and spend an hour there and see how consumers are engaging with the brands. What are the Sephora consultants recommending? Um, to really become knowledgeable about the beauty industry. And then I would argue, you know, obviously if you're still in college and in the summers, you want to network to get an internship you know, do that through the net, through your network, through the Harvard network. Um, again, be unapologetic about it. There's actually a lot of Harvard alums in the beauty industry. So find them, try to network with them. Uh, and, um, you know, I think while you're also in college, try to take courses that are going to prepare you the best for when you're out, you know, hopefully land that beauty job so that you can be equipped with the tools, so whether that is, um, and I know that obviously in, in Harvard, it tends to be like my alma mater, Yale, more of an, a liberal arts education, but um, still, you know, there's, there's courses in finance or, or accounting um, or marketing or leadership. 
Uh, I also, for me, I think one thing that really helped me is I, I was the publisher of the Yale Daily News. Um, and that gave me some practical business experience. Like I had a team, I was, um, you know, driving these sales, uh, uh, you know, selling ads at that time. And, you know, it, it was just another way to get practical experience. So both, um, to me, really, it, in summary, it's, you know, become very knowledgeable about the industry. Um, and second is use all the courses available to you to get, you know, relevant um, education and build your skill set. So when you do land that job, you are equipped. Um, and third, anything that you can do while you're in school to get some practical business experience, whether it's running a club or doing something that, you know, can give you that, it will only just position you more and give you things to talk about in an interview um, about maybe how you have changed the approach or thought strategically. Um, so I think those are all ways that you can prepare yourself. Um, at the end of the day, if you're passionate about working in the beauty industry, just go for it. Like, uh, go for it and, and, and trust me, you know, you, you will be successful because I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, I had a lot of friends that went into other careers, I think for the wrong reasons, because they were chasing money or, or prestige, or they thought they should go into banking and consulting. If you go into those jobs because you love it, I think it's fantastic. But go pursue the career that, that you love, and you will not work a day in your life. I love all that advice. I love how you also really focus on like passion and finding something that you actually love to do. Because again, people try and like chase prestige and being the best, but I really love how you talked about like do something you love and it's not going to feel like work. That's, I love that a lot. Um, I think that about wraps up our episode. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and it's been super valuable for us to hear about your experience in beauty. I'm sure it'll be great for our listeners as well. Absolutely. Well, it was uh, an honor to be here with both of you and uh, thank you for the time and, you know, good luck. And I'm here always as a resource. So thank you so much. Yeah.